And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 143 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. This is Andy Baggerly. And uh, Andy, this is Kismet because 143, this is part one of a 143 episode series on what the hell happened on Wednesday in the Giants Angels extra inning game. So the first thing you have to understand is that Jason Stark uh, ate some pot brownies and a magic mushroom <laughs> and then he went to sleep. And, and he had a fever dream, and that fever dream took life and form and shape as 13 innings of baseball uh, in Angel Stadium. That, that could only come out of Jason Stark's mind. I mean, you started from the exchange of lineup cards, and it was the first game in Major League history where the National League team had a DH and the American League team did not. So, and it got weirder from there. I'm still making sense of it myself. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I keep going over it and over it in my head. After it was done, I went to uh, the grocery store and I grabbed a jug of milk and it started leaking all over my hands. And the guy in front of me couldn't remember his pin. And really, it took him 10 minutes in order to get groceries. So it extended into real life. And I hope everyone was safe uh, out there because it was just the goofiest game I can remember. It's not the goofiest game I've ever seen. I'm sure I can remember. Uh, one that's goofier, but not off the top of my head. That was, I mean, it was 13 innings. The Giants had a seven-run 13th inning. They had no business winning the game. They they couldn't score an extra innings, even with a free runner. It was banana pants. And you know, let's be clear, the Angels uh, had no business winning that game either. I mean, they should have. <laughs> they should have won that game. They had. They even had a bonus uh, runner at second base in the ninth inning after they got a leadoff double and stranded him. So, so that was uh, several instances they had to score. There was the uh, one inning, the 10th inning, where I, there, four times it was like, okay, the Giants are losing on this play right here. One was Zach Littell skipping a throw to Donovan Solano covering first base. <laughs> it gets past him and, and the winning run scores. Solano picked it like he's Brandon Belt. And then <laughs> then Max Stassi is the, the pinch hitter, and he gets a um, uh, to a three-ball count, and he swings at pitches out of the strike zone twice. And that would have been a bases loaded walk. It would have ended the game. And then you had a um, a line drive from Anthony Rendon that hits off Latell and just bounces, wouldn't you know, right to Darren Ruff, um, uh, who then uh, tosses to Latell covering, and they get out of that inning. And I thought, how 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 are they still playing baseball after the tenth? How how is this possible? And that we haven't even gotten to the point where the the Angels walked it off and were shooting <laughs> off the fireworks cannons like they'd won. 
So, yeah, it was just, I don't know how long we want to talk about this game, but it was nuts. No, I mean, I honestly, I really could talk about this game for the entire 30 minutes. We won't because that would uh, be just as bananas as the game itself. But yeah, Max Stassi, I, I don't know. It feels like as a baseball fan, I'm always watching my team have those at-bats with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. Swing, oh, what are you doing? That's ball four. Oh, what are you doing? That's ball four again. It just seems like the right of a baseball fan growing up. And I, I, I it was, uh, I don't know if, I, if you can blame him because they were not that far out of the zone. If he's looking up, if he's, if he's sitting dead red, uh, I could see why his eyes would get bigger. But that was, that was hard to watch because I... It, Oh, man, I just if I were an Angels fan, I would have been pulling my hair out. I mean, you think about it and he's making a decision to swing with one out. And if it's close, I think you got to take it right. I mean, if you strike out, you still have another shot. And he's thinking, well, all I got to do is hit a medium fly ball and the game's over, you know, Um, you know. But uh, yeah, he he could have hit a double play and the game could have ended that or the inning could have ended that way, too. I don't know. It's but you're right. I think every fan can identify with those moments when. Uh, a hitter um, extends the zone and swings at ball four, and you think, it's only my team that does this. No, it's every team that does this. It's just some teams pick worse spots to do it than others. But, but yeah, then we get to, what, the 12th? They're all melding together now. The 12th inning, where there's a runner at third, play at the plate. Darren Ruff gets the grounder. He double clutches to the slightest, slightest instance and throws, and Buster puts the tag down safe. Uh, you have fireworks. You have... Cauldrons of fire. You have angel fans who were looking at the scoreboard where it says "Angels win" all flashing and and uh, and that's it. And then nope, sorry, New York says it's uh, it was uh, it was overturned. And I think they made the right call, but it was close. It was close enough that I thought that maybe the call would stand. And um, and and some of the the Giants players thought, you know what, he's probably out. But is there enough to overturn it? So. That had to go their way too, or or they don't get past the twelfth inning, and then and then obviously not only do the Giants have another life, but then then we have Mike Talkman, and we have <laughs> a seven run thirteenth uh, inning. So yeah, and that might be the weirdest part of the whole thing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about Mike Talkman because you uh, wrote about his weird, wacky, wild stuff of a day uh, where he struck out five times, which is hard to do even in today's game. And he hit a one. He hit he had one hit. It was a home run, and it was a big moment that uh, really opened that game up. Talk to me about Talkman. Give me some Talkman talk. I mean, okay, Shohei Otani started the game. He struck out twice against Otani. There's no shame in that, of course. But then, you know, three other pitchers, three more strikeouts. Uh, it's the Giants franchise record. He matched it. It's only been done, I think, five other times by a Giant in, in history. Um, and, and then you get he gets a bonus uh, plate appearance. I don't know if he thought it was a bonus in the 13th as they turn the lineup over. And you think, oh, no. Oh, no. They've already broken the game open. It's 6-2. to two. There should be no pressure on him. But you know there's a ton of pressure on him because... 
a six strikeout game would tie the major league record uh, mm. for any game, extra innings, you know, etc. Um, nobody's ever struck out seven times in a game ever. So yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> you, you don't want to do that. And he gets to two strikes after swinging and missing twice against Alex Claudio. And to that point, that day, and going back the previous three pinch hitting appearances where he had struck out, so he's sitting on eight strikeouts in a row, um, he had seen 43 pitches and not put a single one of them into play. Mm-hmm. And what happens on a 2-2 count? Three-run home run. <laughs> because, of course. I mean, it's just, you, you can't script it. Unless you're Jason Stark and you've been uh, enjoying some edibles. Just eating the hot brownies, one after the other. Yeah, it is, uh, he's now the fifth player in Major League history to strike out five times in a game and also uh, hit a home run. And one of my favorite things about the the players who did it before him is that Dexter Fowler and Brian Dozier, uh, they did it as leadoff hitters. They had leadoff home runs. First step out of the game, first plate appearance of the game, cranked it over the fence, and they're thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good day. <laughs> and then they struck out five times after that. So I guess if you're going to pick a way to do it, you do it the way that Mike Talkman did. You do it the way that Ray Langford did, where your home run is your last at bat, and you get to go to sleep uh, and feel good about yourself. Oh, I don't know. I think I'd rather get it out of the way first, and then because then you're not just like completely, you know, gnawing every raw nerve in, in your last at bat. I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, e- either way, uh, I guess you could look at it from either perspective. Um, to be clear, Mike Talkman was not one pitch away from his Giants career ending. They were not going to DFA him if he had a six strikeout game. And, you know, the way that it's kind of been uh, telegraphed to me is, hey, Stephen Duggar has beaten him out for regular playing time in the outfield. Their, their outfield against right-handed pitching is going to be Alex Dickerson and Duggar and Mike Yastrzemski. Talkman is not a guy who's going to get a ton of exposure and a ton of at-bats. And... He's on this team because he's good for late inning defense. He's good for base running. And they believe with time uh, he will figure it out and he won't be so caught in between and, and be a jumbled mess, to use his own his own language. But until that time, they don't think there's going to be a ton of exposure uh, for him because they don't plan on giving him a lot of at-bats. So um, they believe in him long-term. They're going to ride this out with him. Uh, they, they're not taking a five-strikeout game every day because he's not getting that opportunity. The only reason he was in there Wednesday is because they had a DH because, again, they used a DH other than uh, uh, which the Angels did not. Um, so that, that's kind of where they are. Now, all that being said, Tommy Listella is coming back on July 2nd, and they're going to have to get creative. Uh, and if it doesn't turn around for Talkman, then, yeah, it'll probably be a discussion at that point. But... Uh, but for now, I think he's he's safe on the roster, and we're left to sort of pivot to what do they do without Brandon Bell? And Mark DeLuke of Around the Foghorn make, made a good point where if Duggar had uh, emerged earlier, and especially if Wade had emerged in concert with Duggar as viable Major League o- options, I don't think the Giants trade for Talkman. I don't even think they consider it. I know they, they liked him and, and pursued him for a long time. But if Duggar comes out of the gate or has the opportunities earlier in the year, I think that that job is filled. I mean, I think that would be his role. And then they're, they're not looking for a fourth, fifth outfielder. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Um, you know, they, they, they just liked him for so long. And Farhan tried to get him from the Rockies even going back uh, a while. That I think when the opportunity came up, 
I think they would have looked at it regardless, but they may not have been in position in terms of roster flexibility to to make a move like that. But yeah, you know, it's 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 all sliding doors, right? Yeah, it's all sliding doors. So with belt out, I guess it's uh, Darren Ruff, plenty of time at first base, and Lamont Wade Jr. Perhaps his his stay at Sacramento is short. I would assume that it's going to be Lamont Wade, and that Belt will go on the injured list. He's getting an MRI today. Uh, as of around, as we record this at noon, we may have to wait until Friday to, to get an official word. But my expectation, yeah, would be that Lamont Wade Jr. would come up and he and Darren Ruff could sort of platoon at first base. We know they need Wilmer Flores to play third while Evan Longoria is out. And then when Listella comes back, he's a guy who they sort of anticipated could play some first base. So so we might see him over there too. And then, you know what? It's possible that uh, Joe McCarthy, his odds of, of cracking this roster might have gone up just a little bit. Maybe not immediately, but you could definitely remember that he's there. And, and they thought a lot of how he looked in the spring. And he's had a nice season at Sacramento. So, you know, just a guy to keep on your radar screen for now. I, yeah, like like you said, we do not have an MRI back. We don't know official word on Brandon Belt as of this recording. It's hard to imagine watching a, a large human being like himself when, when he crumples like that. It usually doesn't bode well. Is there a chance that it's just something like a cramper or something a little bit more innocuous? Because to me, it just, I, I see that and I go, okay, Let's figure out the next three weeks minimum. Yeah, I mean, when he sort of stutter stepped into third base, uh, you know, trying to go from first to third, uh, and and then you know tried to score little league style when the ball got away, but he hurt himself as he was sort of slamming on the brakes going into third base. You could see. Uh, his right knee buckle a little bit. And, you know, that's the knee that he had the microfracture surgery on in 2018. Um, And and when he started really hitting well in 2020, uh, he kind of acknowledged, hey, you know, I I wasn't right in 2019. It it took that long for him to to get his legs under him again. So, yeah, I think this is a big concern. And you have to, obviously, it's it's always uh, advisable to be optimistic and, and 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 be hopeful for the best outcome and and uh it doesn't necessarily mean that Brandon Bell's out for the year or whatever but just laying over the history of what he's gone through with that knee and it's the same knee um certainly does give you a lot of uh, opportunity to pause and, uh, with a little bit of concern. It's a shame on multiple levels. The two that come to my mind is that he has a reputation for being injury prone. And in recent years, I, I it makes a lot of sense. At first, when he was younger, I don't feel like it was deserved because it was always like a beanball to the head or a knee to the head or just like some fluky occurrence to where he was always, uh, you know, just schlep rock and getting steamrolled by a boulder that was rolling down the hill. Uh, in, in As he's gotten older, it's been more the soft tissue things, the knee things, uh, just in general, large human being problems. Uh, but I, I feel like it's undeserved. And now he just has this history throughout his Giants career that people are making a little bit too much of. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you have a good good read on it. I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's fluky injuries are one thing. And, and then sort of chronic injuries or injuries where you get in your 30s and you have to spend so much, you know, time and effort and work uh, just to rehab to get to feeling okay to play um, you know that that all that takes energy out of you too and and uh, yeah obviously if you look up and add up his DL days or, or IL days or whatever we want to call it um, it's gonna take away a big chunk of, of, of what otherwise could be productive swaths of his career um, and yeah you know it's 
we, we could, it's a skirmish in, in the larger belt wars, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's like the Breed's Hill of, of, of the larger Battle of Gettysburg or whatever. Uh, wait, no, Breed's Hill, that was Boston, wasn't it? I, I'm, oh God, I'm losing it. Um, whatever, you, you understand the point. It's, it's a skirmish within a battle within the, the belt wars that we've been waging and waging for generations. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Listen, getting caught up mid-metaphor is my brand. Don't try and take <laughs> my brand. Um, yeah, the other reason why it, it's such a shame to me, and then, and then you know, we'll move on from this, is because I enjoy maybe nothing more in baseball than a good belt scamper. And he's been scampering the last couple of days with his bunts, his magnificent against the shift, two strike bunts. They've been beautiful, right on the nose, just perfectly executed, uh, both in, in concept and execution. And uh, and then he scampered around the bases like he was Juan Pierre. It was a lot of fun up until those last 20 feet. So I, I, I will miss the opportunities for belt bunting because I feel like he was on a roll there. Yeah, I mean, he covered so much green on that bunt that uh, doinked off uh, third base in Tuesday's game, I mean, it was like, uh, yeah, that was that was that was like almost like a champion level snooker play right there. And and then you're right on the play on the in the inning he gets hurt. Uh, how did he reach base? He reached base not only on a bunt, but on a bunt with two strikes. And um, I, I flashed back to there was that that video snippet of Gabe Kapler when he was with the Phillies. I know you know the yes. one I'm talking about, <laughs> where where and, and you don't need to be John Boy to to read his lips. And he's saying, "What are you doing? You're hitting third or fourth for the Giants. Why are you bunting?" You know, he's like laughing, uh, throwing up his hands. And, and now, of course, that guy is the Giants manager, and there's Brandon Bell bunting. Uh, but you know what? He's it, it's a good skill, and it's a skill that that maybe. Uh, is a way you combat the shift, and and uh, he gets his way on base. He goes from first to third, and and then obviously he ends up rolling around on the grass. So um, a real bummer, and just uh, sort of light a candle for for Brandon Belt that he's not going to be out for too long. Uh, to move on to happier news, we're going to move from Brandon Belt, who is one of the streakiest hitters that I've I've ever watched, to. Alex Dickerson, who might be the streakiest hitter, the samples are still small. He's been on the Giants for three seasons now, parts of three seasons. It feels like he is one of the streakiest players imaginable, where when he gets going, he absolutely starts just rolling and carrying the lineup with him. And he was hot when he went on the IL, and it was just sort of like, oh, like that missed opportunity. He comes back and faces Shohei Otani in rakes against Otani. I am feeling pretty darn bullish on on Alex Dickerson, and I want you to support me. Alex Dickerson had about as impressive a game as a Giants hitter can have without leaving the ballpark. I mean, uh, he faces Shohei Otani three times. He gets three hits, and they're on three different pitches. Uh, the first one is on the split, which which we know is is uh, had an, a batting average against of 0.75 this year. It was even more effective than Kevin Gosman's split. Uh, then he hits a, a curveball, and Otani never throws his curveball, but you could tell that he was kind of feeling and searching for something to get Dickerson out, and Dickerson just whacks it into center field. Uh, and then I think he hit a cutter maybe his last time. So three hits off Shohei Otani. 
uh, and, and off three different pitches. And by the way, there's only one guy who has more than three career hits off Shohei Otani, and that's George Springer. So Alex Dickerson is the first guy ever to have a three-hit game against him. And that's that's uh, that's pretty cool, and we, f- we forget about it because so much happened in that game. But for the first six or seven innings, you know, that Kevin Gossman, Shohei Otani uh, matchup uh, was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it is uh, It is funny to think about the beginning of that game because it's Gossman and it's Otani. And in a way, I remember being halfway through that game and, and thinking, you know, this is fun. It's it's a lot of fun to watch pit- pitchers at the top of their craft pitch like this. At the same time, it's get ahead, splitter. You know, get two strikes, two strikes, wait for the splitter, splitter. Like every at bat followed a roughly the same progression. And at one point it was like, ah, this is fun. And yet it's almost too boring. It's almost too basic of a game. It's and then, you know, the the box of snakes popped out and, and then all, <laughs> there was there was a just an explosion in center. Yeah. So it was not the game that we were expecting halfway through. But I don't know. It was almost like these pitches are too good. And I'm wondering if it's if too easy to get uh, uh, j- just be placated by how good these pitchers are. No, you know what? You're right. And, and I, as I was answering or, or talking to the previous uh uh, my previous response, I was kind of thinking to myself, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was cool. But it was also kind of emblematic of a lot of the trends in baseball that are kind of dull and where you had one run from each team. They were both solo home runs. And then you had a crap ton of strikeouts and, <laughs> and, and they were almost predictable in how the strikeouts were. Gossman threw 49 splits out of 101 pitches. So, wow. Um, yeah. And I think he got 18 swings and misses on it. Uh, Otani, I think, has has more different uh, weapons that he can use, but you know he's going to go to that split when he can with two strikes. But the Giants struck out what nineteen times in that game. Sheesh. I mean, you know that's that, that that that's just not some quality viewing right there. So as as wacky as wild as Wednesday's game was, as great as the final outcome was for the Giants, um, yeah, there it's there was a lot of interesting, fun stuff in that game, but. There was also a lot of hard watching, too. Let me throw you a split finger uh, right here and ask you something that you might not have been expecting. Uh, congratulations. You now work for the Leg- the Legacy Agency. You are now a baseball agent and you represent Kevin Gossman. What are you predicting for him this year? What are you expecting to get for Kevin Gossman, uh, who is going to be very, very wealthy after this season? Uh, well, I'm making sure that I get 15% because uh, <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's the only part that's important. Some people charge 10%. I charge 15% because I can. Um, I'll do one. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, I think I'd be happy with 1% given what yes. the final number is going to be. Um I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those questions where it's like, oh, can't we just enjoy what we're seeing right now? But at the same time, you know, what the Giants do um, with their rotation in 2022 is going to probably be the biggest factor in whether they can maintain this trajectory. And it's been sort of a slow ramp up and they're hoping, you know, they get within a game of, of the playoffs, you know, last year and, and, and getting close to 500. And now, you know, they try to, to, to move up and be on the fringes of contention. And whoa, look at this. They're 22 games over 500 and it's not even <laughs> July yet. Um, but for them to kind of maintain this upward trajectory, I, I think that rotation is going to have to be really good again. And Gossman's a free agent. Di Sclafani's a free agent. Uh, Johnny Cueto will be gone. Um, you know, go down the list. So um, you know, Aaron Sanchez is a free agent. hasn't really pitched well. 
they're going to have to get creative. And um, maybe some of that happens at the trade deadline and they can get someone who's controllable. Uh, but I do think that it's a fairly, fairly decent bet that either Gosman or Di Sclafani or both of them uh, will be back next year. But what that final number ends up being, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, what could be a good comp is what did Jake Arrieta get after he broke out with the Cubs and was a little bit older, you know, not necessarily a guy who was, you know, 26, 27. Um, I'll have to look. I'll punch that up right now and see what Jake Arrieta got, and uh, and that'll be my my comp. Yeah, no, I just I know I should just shut up and enjoy the the quality pitching while it is happening, but I'm hardwired not to enjoy the things that are presented to me and right in front of me, and that's why in 2020 in July I think I wrote, hey, maybe it's time to extend Kevin Gossman. You know, I've, he looked really good in these two starts, and then I earlier this year it was, hey, you know, I know I know it's just been a week in the season, but maybe they should extend Kevin Kausman. So like I've been really eyeing this for a long time because he's he's just fun to watch pitch. It's clear that what the Giants saw in him is is you know, they were right. They were 100% right and they should want him around for a while because if they don't re-sign him, they're going to try and get someone just like him for a lot of money. So it might as well be the guy who knows the Wi-Fi password. Um I just <laughs> right. I wonder if it's I just wonder if it's if he's every quality not quality start every excellent tremendous start uh if he's kind of pricing himself out of the giants range i mean it's hard to imagine anyone could be pricing themselves out of the giants range they have so much coming off the books and you know we don't know what they're going to spend we don't know what their final revenues are going to be or how uh, how much they may try to dial back the payroll and and, and claim that uh you know, COVID knocked their, their books for a loop. I mean, they, they don't have to show us their books. No team does. So, except I think the Braves in some capacity, because Liberty Media has a public component. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just think that the Giants are going to have a lot of room to throw some money out there without necessarily hamstringing what they can do in other areas. And probably a lot of that money is going to be allocated toward, uh, other than perhaps picking up Buster Posey's option, um, you know, the, the rotation. And so whether you spend it big on Gossman or somebody else, um, I, I, I think that that's probably a decent bet that they're going to make a big investment in that space. And, and like you said, he knows the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> All right, the A's are, are uh, next up, and I want you to talk about what you've heard around the clubhouse and what players have told you. What does that trophy mean to the players? How much do they care about it? I, I'm just, they're talking about it right now, aren't they? Well, you know, when Rob Manfred mentioned that the trophy was a hunk of metal, he was referring to the Bay Bridge trophy, <laughs> or at least he should have been, because that would have been more accurate. That is a hunk of metal. It is, but you know what? I The A's series are always, when the two teams are at the top, and I'm going to write about this tomorrow and, and figure out how often it's happened because it feels like it's happened quite a few times over the last couple decades of interleague play that the A's are up and the Giants are up and when they meet it's a lot of fun uh, and this series has even more behind it because it's going to be uh, full stance. I mean, you want to come to a ball game, come to a ball game. Sit where you want, uh, mask, no mask. I mean, it's going to be baseball, full baseball. And I, it's just, it seems like it's going to be tremendous, tremendous fun on both sides. I'm really, really eager to see what the environment's going to be like, just how many people come to the ballpark. We know there's still some reticence and, and no one would be judged uh, for having that. Uh, some people can't be vaccinated or some people haven't been. Um, 
and you know, there are still people who have issues with the you know making the commute. We know that BART is going to start operating at night, but I think the last train's going to leave at 10:30 uh, to the East Bay. So you know a, a, until they get up to full uh, capacity, I think uh, what that's going to happen toward the end of July. I think I heard. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot of maybe things that might be holding people back from coming. Um, but you know what? We're going to have vendors again. We're going to have the you know more than just like five concession stands open again. You know we're we're going to have like you said, uh, you know masks will be optional for people who are vaccinated. And uh, you know it's it was just I think really neat um, uh, when Mike Yastrzemski hit the grand slam on the last homestand. You, you got that sense of strangers were out there high fiving and hugging each other, and uh, and. And, and that's that it sort of broke down like a, a lot of barriers, I think, and and made you feel like it was it was like a, a regular game again, even though there's only 9000 people in the stands. So I, I can't wait for that to be amplified by a factor of four and, and get to experience what it's like again. And I hope it happens soon. Yeah, I, I don't know what it will be like in the press box, but I'm hoping to turn around on Friday night and instead of. Hey, Alex, Alex, when's the ticket on that train? Alex, Alex. And then uh, Alex Pavlovich looks at me and goes, what? Like, you know, hands up. I, it was hard and obnoxious. So I'm looking forward to actually uh, perhaps even seeing you. With, like, what are, your, what are your lips looking like these days? Are they normal? Any accidents, piercings? No, no piercings, uh, no accidents, um, no scars. I will say I haven't shaved in about five days. So I'm looking, I'm looking a little <laughs> scraggly right now. But uh, I, I, I don't have a ponytail. You know, I don't have that going for me. Neither do I. Neither. I'm back. I'm back, baby. It was uh, it was May 4th. I had it circled on my calendar. The two weeks after vaccination, I got rid of my long hair. And by gosh, I've already looked at pictures from back then. And who in the hell was that guy? And why was he allowed in my house? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I went through a phase where I, I didn't get a haircut for like about maybe five months or something. And, you know, didn't get to that extent. But and I'm like, why? Why am I not? you know, at least, you know, flow be in it myself or, or something. Right. Um, and I thought I'm, I'm almost like just embracing like my wild man here. Like this is the, I'm embracing what, what the time is where we just have to go along with it. And, uh, and now I look back on it. I'm like, that was stupid. No, I, I should have just cut my own hair. Yeah. It would be awful if I were 75 looking back at my life and been like, Oh, I wonder what I would. I wonder if I would have looked good with long hair. It's better to just know. No, you. you, you don't. <laughs> yes. You do, no regrets. You figure that out very, very early. They also have software that could have told you that, but uh, you did it for real. <laughs> All right. This has been episode one hundred and forty-three of the Bags and Brisby podcast. When we come back on Monday, we will know what in the heck happened in that A series. Hopefully, it is at least entertaining to talk about so we will see you then as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.